And now it's our pleasure to introduce Angel Cardoza, who's here from Dominican Republic studying at the Master's Seminary, and he's going back to minister, and I'm not going to tell anything else because that's his job, but um, we're so happy to have him and his wife here today with us. Hello. My name is Angel Cardoza. Uh, Angel or Angel, if you are not able to pronounce it. Uh, I'm glad you laughed. My wife told me not to be too tense, but I'm speaking in English, so <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, so I'm from Dominican Republic. This is our family. Here you have my wife, Jamel, who is there, Abby, Anna, and Noah, who is our oldest. Uh, when we came to the seminary, we only had Noah, and here in the seminary, those are my two seminary babies. <laughs> uh, I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, my dad uh, grew up in, a, in the Catholic church. He wanted to be a priest, uh, but by God's grace and through some Mennonite missionaries who came to our country, uh, he was uh, presented the gospel, and he was also trained, uh, and he planted a church in 1984 uh, in Las Caobas, Dominican Republic, which, which is the church where we came from. So he planted the church before I was born, so I basically grew up in the church atmosphere. It was a small church. And as a pastor kid, uh, there was a lot to do. So I know how to play guitar, piano, a little bit of drums, because uh, we just grew up in that atmosphere. Uh, I came to know the Lord, uh, the gospel, when I was very young. And when I finished high school, I was able to go to a Bible institute uh, outside of the country. And my desire was to go into ministry. However, because of uh, different situations, uh, I had to go to college back home. And I will talk about more about this uh, in, the, in the future, in a few minutes. Back home is not very usual for a young man to say, I want to be a pastor and just go to Bible college and get trained. Uh, pastors don't get much training back home. So people will, will tell you, okay, you want to be a pastor, but you have to do something else. Uh, what are you going to live off? Because pastor, pastors normally don't get paid back home. So when I finished the Bible Institute, I went to college for uh, business administration, business management. And I went to college for four years and worked also a while in college. And there was when I met my wife, uh, Jamel, uh, in her church. I was attending to a concert that they had in her church. So I met her, and once we started to know more of each other, I told her uh, my desire, because I, although I was working outside of the church, uh, my desire was to go into ministry. Uh, we didn't know how, but we, I, I knew that I wanted to do it. And God in his providence used so many people to help me, to direct me in the right way, in the right path. Uh, and to get me to know more about the Lord and His Word and the seriousness of ministry. Uh, so at that time, I, I learned, uh, I used to know MacArthur as a 
uh, writer. Uh, he has like almost all his books in Spanish. Uh, so he's very well known. I, I think he's the most well known American preacher in Latin America because all his books are in Spanish. However, he's not the most like <laughs> preacher in Latin America. Charles Stanley and him. Charles Stanley and him. Uh, but you know, Charles Stanley is more calm, and so people like him because he's more calm. MacArthur, they see him like like a dragon. Uh, they only think he doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit. He doesn't believe in this. So they have this all these misconceptions about him. But they like his commentaries and his books. So you can go to a Pentecostal pastor's office and you can see MacArthur's commentary and books. But he doesn't like MacArthur. So I knew about MacArthur, but I didn't know about much about Grace or uh, the Master's Seminary. So when I was looking for a place to get trained, I thought maybe I can do I can do something online and just you know do it for a few years and that can direct me to the right way. Uh, but when I was sitting with a pastor with a friend, he told me, "Look at this," and he showed me the master seminar. Uh, so I started looking at the master seminary, and by God's grace, I was able. I was already married to Jamel. By God's grace, I was able. We're able to come here to a Truth Matters conference in 2011, and we just love it. We were able to go to other seminaries, but here we just love the place. We love the fact that he had the church, it's within the church, so we knew that we were not only going to see ministry in theory, but it was in practice too. Uh, We like uh, all the positions, theological positions uh, they have here. And we attended some classes, so we, we really liked it. Uh, but we didn't think we were going to be able to come because uh, of how expensive, expensive it is to live in Los Angeles. But the Lord provided, and we moved here in 2012. Uh, and we thought we had everything uh, worked out, but when the first year came, we didn't have any more money. Uh, so we thought we had to go back home, but uh, the Lord provided uh, as an international seminary student, we're only able uh, to work 20 hours a week and within on campus uh, with the institution you study with. Uh, but the Lord provided in so much different ways, and so we were able to stay more, and we're so thankful. The experience has been uh, a great experience with the seminary, but with the church, I always say this to the guys who ask me about this seminary. Uh, you think you want just the seminary, but when you come to the church, you get so much more. Uh, so we're very thankful to the Lord. So let me t- tell you a little bit about our country, Dominican Republic. As I said uh, uh, in the meeting uh, earlier, uh, you might know our country because of uh, his vacation place- places or baseball players, or because it has many storms and hurricanes. There is more, much more to know about our country. Uh, Dominican Republic occupies the eastern two-thirds of the island of La Española. So we share the island with Haiti. Uh, we have two different cultures. Uh, we have two different languages. They, they speak Creole, uh, which is uh, like French uh, slang. Uh, they don't speak Spanish. However, uh, we have a lot of people coming from Haiti to Ireland, so they learn uh, to speak Spanish. Uh, according to 
the World Bank, the for, there, there is a 40% population who live below the poverty line in our country. So we live in a third world country. There is a lot of poverty and need. There is a big lack of education in our, in our country. And there is a lot, also a big uh, rate of crime in our country. It's going up and up uh, every day. Basically because of unemployment, uh, basically also because of government corruption, which is a big uh, problem in our country, and an inconsistent electric service remain a major problem in the Dominican Republic. So yeah, we can be in a meeting like this in the Dominican Republic and the light just goes off. People don't get why that happened sometimes here. They don't imagine that happening, but that happens. So in most of the places they have... Well, some of the places, the ones that are able to afford it, they have electric generators who will turn after the lights off. Or we just stay here talking without the mics or lights and you stay with candles. I've been in many churches like that, that the lights goes off and you have to stay with candles. That's something very usual in our home uh, and in the houses as well. Uh, you could be watching TV or it's a night and you're with your kids in the house and the light just goes off and you don't know when it's going to come back. It could last one hour, two hours, three hours or 10 hours. Who knows? The religion in our country. Uh, Dominican Republic is mainly a nominal Catholic nation. According to the Joshua Project, the 85% of the Dominican Republic population is Roman Catholic. So the Roman Catholic Church has a big... Uh, impact in our, in our uh, country. But however, if, even though most people say they're Catholic, they're most nominal Catholic. And for you to understand what this is, I want to ask my wife to come. She's going to share about uh, her life a little bit. Hi, <laughs> I'm the expert in Catholicism. <laughs> um, so yes, as Angel was um, talking to you about our country, I do come from a nominal Catholic household. And um, so what that means is that you go to church maybe once a year or twice at the most. and uh, But that doesn't make an impact in your life. So you could be a drunkard or a criminal and you're a Catholic. So... Um, Everyone would tell you that. And my, my house, my home, um, my parents, um, we grew up, I went to a Catholic school. And um, it was kind of important in my family for, for us to um, call ourselves Catholic. Um, but, of course, that made no impact in my parents' lives. And I did have a grandmother that lived with us, and she would go to church, and they would kind of say, Jamel, go with your grandmother so she's not alone. So I, I would come along with her to, to church. So I was a nominal Catholic, but I went more than twice a year. So I went more often because of my grandmother. And of course, I went to Catholic um, school. Um, so we, by the time I was 14, um, I went to a, a retreat in a Catholic church. And this was different because this Catholic church is charismatic Catholic. So you might not know this, but there's charismatic Catholics and they speak in tongues and they do the resting in the spirit and they do all those things and they sing a lot. 
So um, there in that church, the Lord was so gracious. And they, um, a lady told me the gospel, and I believed. So I became a Christian in a charismatic Catholic church. So I believed um, in Christ. So before that, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my background. Um, my house was like my parents' marriage was not the ideal, just to say it was chaos. <laughs> um, and my my sibling, my my sister, she was very rebellious because of my parents' marriage. But I was the complacent one, the complacent one. So I didn't want to disturb anyone. I was people pleaser. I did great at school. I was. You know, I didn't want to cause much trouble in my home. So I thought it was, I was awesome. I thought it was great. I was, I did great at school. I obeyed my parents. So to think that I was a sinner did not occur to me. Um, so when I, for the first time, when I went to this retreat, someone said, you are a sinner. And for me, that was, you know, sinners are the ones, you know, are drinking, go to the disco and do all those things, but I didn't think of me as a sinner. So for the first time, I I knew I was a sinner. I needed a savior. So the Lord was so gracious with me because that doesn't happen very often. But me and a couple of friends, um, we heard the gospel there. Um, after a couple of years, I started attending a Bible study in a, um, it's like kind of a hospital. So they it's like more a private clinic, but they had a prayer meeting and Bible study there for the people that were sick. And um, so I started going there, and this was Protestant. It was not Catholic. I didn't know what Protestant was. Um, Protestant or Protestant? Protestant, sorry. So um, I didn't know what that was. I thought everyone was Catholic, or if you were not Catholic, you were evangelical. And for me, evangelical was only Pentecostal, and Pentecostal is loud music, they only wear skirts, they don't wear makeup, they don't do their hairs, and they don't paint their nails. And they're just annoying. That's what I thought. <laughs> I did have a, a Pentecostal church next to my home. So, yeah, I didn't like them because they were so loud. <laughs> and um, so that was for me. So I, I did not like them. So for me, evangelicals, I did not like. I was not comfortable around them. So... Um, this Bible study, they, they were reading from the Bible and it was so relevant and it was, it could apply to my life. And I never saw the Bible that way. So it was the first time the Bible can apply to my day to day life. And I was only 16 or 15. So it was not a solid church, but they did open their Bibles and that transformed my life. Um, after that, at, when I was 16, when I was 17, I got baptized in this church. And um, then I went off to college. And from that moment on, I always knew I wanted to be involved in ministry. I didn't know how, but I didn't want to be a businesswoman. I didn't have those desires. I wanted to serve God. I don't know how. I didn't know how back then, but the Lord provided for me to study graphic design. And... I was not very, I didn't feel skilled to do it, but what I thought I could probably help at a church with that skill. Churches need posters and banners and things like that, church bulletins. <laughs> so I thought that's something 
God can use. And I went to college for that. What little did I know that was going to be the changing point in my life where um, just two years in my career, I started working for a ministry, um, very sound doctrine church. And um, I started serving the Lord when I was 19. And I did that for over 10 years. So going to that church, I heard the true um, sane doctrine and the Lord kind of did a transformation work in my life while I was working there. So the Lord provided like every single thing of my life, even my, my career choice. I was going to be like um, an engineer, um, computer engineer, and the Lord just poured in my heart. I don't know. I cannot explain how. But to study that, and then I saw God's providence. After that, I ended up meeting my husband, and um, the Lord used that. Even though I didn't feel skilled to do it, he, he made me useful for his kingdom. So um, I'm so grateful for, to him for that, and I still do it till this day. Okay, so you see how, as she was saying at the beginning, how the nominal Catholic Church, uh, Catholics in our country work and in Latin America. And because of this, and because so many people say they're Catholics, the Catholic Church has great power in our nation. In the 1960s, the Dominican government made an agreement with the Vatican, Vatican? Uh, that is called El Concordato. In this agreement, basically, the Dominican government funds the Catholic Church in our country. So they have huge temples. They have great power when they have like uh, great power in the in the government when uh, newspapers want to know something from the religion's perspective. They go to you know to the they are able to give their opinion. They are they seem like their the opinion of the main head of the Catholic Church in our in our country is even greater than what the president can say. That's how it works back home. Even though. People know, and Catholics and non-Catholics know, all the corruption going in the Catholic Church. So they have great power. And because of this great power uh, since the 60s, they were able to stop the reformation to, for, from happening in, in our country. Uh, they put a great stop. Even persecution went in in, in our country. Uh, so we didn't get the full effect of the Reformation. We only have some missionaries from Methodist, uh, Mennonite Church, who came and preached. Uh, but the evangelical church in our, in our country up to 10 to 15 years ago was very weak. Because, and mainly because of this, uh, first, the Catholic Church, as I said, and then what we had in the evangelical Protestant side was very weak churches, starting with the biggest one, which is the Pentecostal church. So back home, you have these huge temples empty that belong to the Catholic church. And then you have these small churches, a lot of small churches that are Pentecostal. So, and basically they show an unbiblical uh, gospel, and that's what they show to the people, to the non-believers and to the Catholics. So, Back home, people don't have much respect from, for the uh, evangelical pro- Protestant church. 
because uh, they see it's just a mess. Basically, back home in the Pentecostal churches, whoever says the Lord told me to be a pastor, they go and open a small church in a neighborhood without any, any training, uh, without any bibl- biblical doctrine. So that's what unbelievers see. And they think uh, we're just, we don't take things serious. But uh, by God's grace, uh, in the last 10 to 15 years, he has put up some men to faithfully preach the word of God and train people. And that's what's going on right now back home. It's like a, a re- renew of the Reformation. And a lot of that has to do with uh, Pastor MacArthur. As I said, his books, his preachings, uh, talking to one of the main pastors back home who is uh, in charge of all of this that is happening, he told me my biggest influence was John MacArthur. He told me that about almost 20 years ago when he was going to plant his church, he came to Grace and he sat down with uh, some of the elders uh, and saw everything that was going on here. So he, uh, Pastor MacArthur has a big influence back home. He went uh, like four years ago Two years ago, and he's going to be a part of a conference uh, in this month, in two weeks. Uh, so he has a big influence. However, the Protestant church is immature yet. Uh, we're in the midst of what's happening, but it's immature. People are starting to get trained, and they are, uh, the idea of the uh, Christian practice is being changed, but that's going to take some time. And that is the main reason why uh, we want to go uh, back home to serve the Lord in whatever is happening, to use whatever uh, what the Lord has th- taught us here in seminary and church and use it there however He makes it possible for, our, for us to use it. So where we're going? We're going to Iglesia Cristiana de la Comunidad. Uh, that's the church my dad planted in 1984, uh, right yeah, it was in our house, in our uh, parking garage. So we used to meet every Sunday. Well, it was in a house. This is funny. It was in a, in a house that they rented. So we came one morning, and the owner just took all the furniture of the church outside. And she said, we don't want you here anymore. Uh, so we went to our house, to our garage, which was closed. And we had the services uh, there. And... At that time, someone from the church was moving to the States, so she donated her house to the church, and the church began to uh, meet in, in that house. Uh, they built a, built a temple, uh, but it only fit like uh, 75 people. So we have to move to another place, and then the Lord provided this place. With, uh, we've been there uh, since 2009. Uh, the church has about 240 members, right now, and 350 people meet every Sunday there. Uh, We are located in Santo Domingo Oeste. Uh, It's a place with a lot of poverty, a lot of need, uh, a lot of need for education, uh, a lot of needs, uh, social needs, but among all, a lot of need of the gospel and through biblical preaching to be preached. Uh, about 12 communities surround uh, the church or the place where the church is at. 
and there is not a sound sound doctrine church within uh, within reach. Uh, people, it's not like here. Like people come from Santa Clarita to here, and that's normal. Back home, people don't travel that far. Uh, they want to go somewhere where they can walk because not everybody has a has a car, or no everybody wants to do the spend the gas money to to go that far. So within reach of where we are, there are not sound sound doctrine churches. So basically, I'm gonna be uh, working with uh, uh, teaching on Wednesday nights and Saturday nights for the youth group, and occasional teaching with uh, on Sundays. Uh, right now, the church has two pastors, uh, my dad and another pastors, another pastor, and they are. Uh, uh, involved in training and in preaching and all the things that has to be done in the church. However, the church has never had a full-time pastor. As I said, that's not something normal. Uh, what what happens back home is this: like missionaries came to Dominican Republic, they planted churches, but they were founded uh, fully from churches from here. Uh, and basically, what happened was that they didn't. I believe they didn't teach the congregation to support their pastors. So when they were pulled away, all the, the pastors were left with not, not funds and people didn't think, oh, if you're a pastor, you have to go get a job. So basically my dad had to work uh, full-time all his life and also uh, be in the church. And so does the other pastor. However, the church has identified the need for a, a full-time pastor within the church because there are so many things to do right now. So my plan is to uh, start the work for that uh, back home to stay fully in the ministry. Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, something that happened was, and that's one another reason why we're going there, uh, so fast is because in my father got cancer seven years ago and the cancer uh, came back two years ago. So for the last two years, he's been going to chemo and he had a lung surgery on January last year. So he's he's been very weak. I think the last two months have been the, the months where he's been uh, the healthiest, uh, but he has lost a lot of weight. He's uh, very weak, so they need help. Uh, they needed help before he got sick. They need more, more help now. Help in training, help in teaching, help in you know being in the church. Uh, also, there is the need because of all these churches preaching unbiblically uh, in this area. There is the need also for a place to train uh, pastors. So the plan is. To in the next years, first start, get established in the church, and then try to begin uh, a place to train men, uh, not only from our church but from other churches. Uh, so that's one of the plans that we have uh, for when we uh, when we go uh, back home, and also talking to uh, some of the pastors back uh, from here. We also want to start a place not only to train them biblically and theologically, but also to teach them to do expository preaching. Uh, right now in Latin America, because of all the things that are going around, there are many institutions uh, training men. 
but they are not training and training men to do expositional preaching. Uh, so we want to uh, try to do something to 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 teach the men. When when I have my Bible right, my theology right, how do I start to uh, make a sermon to preach the Bible faithfully? So that's uh, where we want to focus uh, or uh, the the institute that we make there if the Lord allows us to do. So we ask you to pray for us. uh, And if you can support us and uh, be part of this in two ways. First, prayer. That's the main need we have. Uh, I said it before and I said every time I I talk about this, uh, I don't want to have all the funds needed and all the support needed if I don't have the support of God and his direction. I believe that's the first thing any man of God needs. Uh, so pray for us to stay faithful to the Word of God, to preach faithfully. It's really hard and really easy. it's really easy to just drift away and try to be comfortable. I've seen that many times with men who seem faithful to the Lord, but they just get comfortable and don't do the work as they should. So pray for us to be faithful with what the Lord has uh, given us. I believe it's a great it's a great opportunity what we have here, but at the same time it's a big commitment uh, because the Lord has entrusted us with so much that many people back home want. So I just want them to be able to have what we were able to get here if they're not able to come. So pray for us in this. Pray for us and for our family. Uh, so we can be a healthy family, a family committed to the Lord with our, our, our daughters and drive them in the right path, the path of God. Uh, and also pray for the Lord to provide the support needed for us to go back home and serve in, in our country. As I said before, it's not very usual for pastors to get paid full time. Uh, as of now, the, the what the church has offered is to cover uh, 50% of our expenses uh, back home. So what we, what the pastors here, is, here has allowed us to do through grace is to try to get the, the rest of the 50% needed for the, to help the ministry back home so I don't have to uh, be working and then be 50 and 50, uh, which is normally 90 and 10. Uh, so pray for that. Uh, they have, uh, they have, they, the church have committed to do the 50% for the next two years and then try to raise it uh, so I can be in less than four years uh, fully supported by the church. So pray for that, for the Lord to provide funds. Uh, we, uh, because of uh, the loss in America, in North America, after tomorrow, which is my last day of classes, I'm not able to work anymore. So basically, I'm, we're not able to get uh, any income. So that's why we want to go at the end of this month uh, back home. But that's, that takes uh, a lot of expenses. Uh, we, we, some people from the church and some of the other churches uh, have uh, helped us. But we are like halfway there yet. So please pray and think about uh, supporting the ministry back home. Uh, and the other prayer request is to pray for my dad. Uh, he's the main pastor, and as he's recovering from cancer surgery, uh, he, the Lord has done, uh, he's been gracious to us, giving us 
uh, more than we deserve. And we are very thankful. One of uh, I was sharing with someone this morning that what my dad, one of my dad's uh, prayers to the Lord was to be able to come to graduation, and he's going to be able to come. Uh, he's coming tomorrow. So pray for us, uh, pray for our family, and if you have any questions, you can ask it now or when we finish. Yeah. Yes, how much support do you need? How much do you have? Uh, so for our move, we need about $9,000. Right now, we have almost $5,000. So we're uh, a little bit uh, over 50%. Uh, our monthly income uh, is uh, $1,500. That's what we need to, to get. Right now, we have about $400. Uh, we have a few places to visit, like this one to see who wants to join in. Uh, so if the Lord uh, is working in you, teacher, you are more than welcome. It's not uh, through me. It's through through grace. Uh, you can find us in the GMAI webpage. We put some uh, cards in the back so you can have all the info. We have magnets there. We can bring the cars. So we have magnets with all the info there. So you can you can find us in the GMI uh, page too. Yeah, I'll just say gracechurch.org slash Cardoza will take you right to his page. Um, I just wanted to thank you all and um, appreciate your church. Um, it's a very unique church and our church. <laughs> um, we do feel part of of grace and um, this is a great church. You don't have to be guarding yourself against error. You know that whatever comes in your teaching is from the Word of God, and you don't have to be. You know, is this right? You know, is you know, is he wrong? And that's something that we we have to experience. I've experienced my whole life. So for the first time in my life, I could just sit and listen to the Word and be preached faithfully. So we're so thankful for this church and um, for you guys. You have been an encouragement for all of us and your wisdom and your your love. So um, I'm going to miss it. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you. It's been a big honor just to share with you. My wife has come to these meetings every, you know, every time you have it. And I'm not able to co- come because of uh, work, but she... Uh, she comes every Wednesday after the meetings talking to us about what she heard when you Skype with a missionary or when a missionary share. So it's a big honor for us and it, it means a lot, a lot to us to be, to share with you and to, for you to have us in your prayers. So thank you. We're very thankful to have you, and we're excited for what the Lord has for you all when you go back to Dominican Republic, and um, hopefully you'll get to visit. Yeah. And I don't know if you can come during Shepherd's Conference and maybe stay another day or two so you can come and tell us how things are going sometime, maybe, because we'll pray for you. And it's always good to hear again, right, ladies? And it's encouraging what the Lord does. 
So we're excited for you guys. We are. <laughs> are you excited? Or oh, you? yeah. I'm okay. very excited to go back. <laughs> Seminar is good and everything here, but we, we love our people home and we know the need. So when we hear about all the need there and, you know, we're, we're very excited to go back. But we also, it's a bitter, sweet feeling. Yeah. You guys are speaking so well in English. Did you speak English when you came here to go to seminary, or is that something you've learned? She does much better, much better than me. But you're doing yeah. very well. I can't imagine getting up and giving a presentation in you know the, another language. You know, <laughs> so it's great. Well, we'll pray now for you guys. Lord, we just thank you so much for Angel and Jamel and. Um, we thank you for your work in their hearts, and uh, it's so exciting just to see how you uh, worked in in their hearts, even though, you know, Yamel was going to a, a Catholic church, and you used, you used someone there to share the gospel with her, and you brought her to yourself, and um, Angel was, you know, his dad was a pastor, and so he heard the gospel, and we're thankful for that as well, and we're just thankful for you, Lord, and your goodness to us and your faithfulness to continue to work in our hearts and our minds. And we praise you for the work that we know you will do through them and through the church down there that they're going back to, Community Christian Church. And we thank you for his dad and his mom and his family that have been so faithful to you, Lord, all these years, serving you there at that church and sharing your gospel and encouraging and supporting the saints there, Lord. And we just pray that you continue to bless that ministry. We pray especially for Angel's dad right now as he's... Um, recovering from cancer and the surgery that he just had recently. And we just pray that you'd have your hand on him right now and give him the strength he needs, Lord, to fly here and just to be a part of um, the graduation that's coming up. And we just pray for their whole family that's coming. We pray that you'd keep them safe and bless their time here. And we just pray that you would... Um, Give them, give them your joy and peace during this time and this graduation. What a, what a blessed event. I'm sure his dad and mom are very proud and excited. And we thank you, Lord, for enabling them to come and go to Master's Seminary. And we're excited, Lord, for what you have for them. We pray that you would have your hand on Onhill as he's going to be teaching in the church in the evenings there. And I'm sure He'll be teaching on Sunday mornings as he, you know, gets more and more experience. And we just pray that you would give him wisdom, Lord, and give Jamel wisdom also. Help them to honor you. And we just pray, Lord, that you would help them to be faithful to you, to uh, just seek your will in each and every situation. And we just pray that you'd have your hand on them, even during difficult times and trials. We know that those are probably coming for them because they're still so young. And uh, we just pray that you would just have your hand on them and secure them even through those difficult times. And we pray for their their dearest, beautiful little girls, Noah, Abby, and Anna. And we just pray that you would help these girls to come to know you and to serve you with their lives also, Lord. We thank you for your goodness just in providing them to Angel and Shamel and Lord, we just pray that their family would be a joy and a blessing to them. And 
that they would be able to just be a light in their love for you. And I just pray that you'd provide for their support just to to move back home. And we just pray that you'd also provide the monthly support. And we just pray that the people there in the church would be accepting of the even the thought of supporting a pastor, since it may be new to them. But we just pray that they would see this as your will and that they would embrace it, Lord. Just pray that they would be teachable and loving and kind to this young couple. And just pray that you would continue to bless them and care for them, Lord. And we thank you for your goodness and your grace to all of us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. If you want to talk to them, just come on up, and um, I'm sure they'd love to talk to you.